I was waiting for this moment. And shout out to, you know, I ain't know that I was your family, but all move do is work. I don't know the <laughs> but There you I go just, right I there. Wanted, I know, that's what I'm saying. That's why I said it. You know what I mean? All move do is work. You know what I mean? I wanted to I wanted to say that on air. What's up, good brother? You know what I mean? And, um, <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully one day I can have him up here because yeah. anybody yeah. who went to college in the 80s and the 90s know about DJ Crime and Mustafa. They they, they provided the oh, yes, soundtrack. They provided the soundtrack <laughs> to college parties. You know what I mean? So salute, salute, man. You know, Jersey, Jersey got a lot of talent that, you know, we don't, that, that doesn't get they just do, man. So True. we provided this platform to, to, to give to brothers like yourself, you know, brothers like DJ Mustafa, brothers like Drift, brothers like DJ Leon, brothers, you know. So respect, respect, respect. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. You know that's Cuzzo. First, that's first Cuzzo. First Cuzzo right there. And, and, and you're going to tell me a story about how you got into it. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are now tuned in to the TKB Report. And I am your host, K. Langevine. And today's guest is a Jersey legend in his own right. Um, he provided the music and he provided a vibe that set the tone for, for many events that I attended and, and a lot of other people attended in New Jersey, period. Uh, his name is synonymous with S's Catholic but his name is synonymous with, with, with music. That, that's not what we're here for today, but we're going to touch on that pause a little bit. Uh, right, right. The, the, the brother is a part of a fraternity of DJs that spans wide, and I'm going to let him get into that. He is now joining the ranks of creatives in the literary form. And I'm not talking about writing music. The brother that I'm introducing and I'm bringing to the people, and it's my honor and my pleasure to bring to the people, is none other than DJ Crunch, now author extraordinaire Crunch. You know what I mean? Welcome. I like it. I like it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. My butterfly, I've been I've been seeing it, you know, the hottest book in 2020. And I yes, read sir. it, you know, and, yes, and sir. I believe it. I'm not an avid reader, but I definitely got into this book and I was I was impressed. Very well written. Um the storytelling was was amazing. I got a I got a I got a I got a, a feeling that some some th this can be on the big screen. Uh Will was good. Appreciate you coming back. Uh, everybody that was here earlier, you know, I appreciate you coming back. For those who were here earlier and y'all left, I hope y'all do come back. But um, but I want I want to get into your musical career first. You know what I'm saying? Because right. that that's what most people know you for. And I'm pretty sure when right. they see this, they're gonna think that we are speaking about something musically. And um, mm -hmm. I wanna I wanna just touch on. Like how you even got started with DJing? We spoke about it a little bit, right. but I just right. I just want you to kind of expand on what we talked about. 
know what I mean? Right. How you got into DJing? Well, it was like sixth or seventh grade, I'm not sure. Uh, a gentleman challenged me on the turntables in front of some young ladies to embarrass me because I couldn't spin and didn't know anything about it. So I thought about it and I went to my cousin who's in the, in the live now, Mustafa, and I told him what happened and he said, come to my house and we're going to learn something. I'm going to teach you something. So it took about two weeks and I went back to that same guy's house with the same amount of girls and I ended up being better than him because Mustafa started me and Mustafa taught me what he knew. And that, that enabled me to have a skill to make money. So I was in sixth or seventh grade standing on a crate doing an Irvington High party back then. And I owe it all to Mustafa, basically. With, with, with shout out to Irvington. Um, yeah. I think yeah. that, you know, I'm, I'm a Guyanese. My, my family's from GT. That's a GT bonnet, right? Oh, so okay. We, we, we lived all over the place. We was in North, we was in Irvington. Like, so. <laughs> I got I got an affinity for North. That's where I was born. You know what I mean? Right, raised. Right, right. I got an affinity right. for Irvington. So if you was at Irvington High, they had some bad ones. But we ain't gonna get into that right now. We ain't gonna get into that. <laughs> so so <laughs> yeah. So, you know, everybody give a shout out to um, Mustafa. Well deserved. My brother, I'm I'm looking forward to having you on the show because I would love to hear your story. TKB Report is a platform that I created so that, you know, brothers like all of you. GT myself, DJ Love, you know, <laughs> that, that brothers like yourself can 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 um can come on and tell your stories and expand your brand. So, right. so DJ Mustafa, hopefully by the end of this, you know, we can we can talk, chop things up, and and hopefully set something up. Uh, yeah. uh for sure. That'd be I'd be greatly appreciative of that. But I right, so so you start DJing. Like how mm -hmm. how expansive does that get? Because you you mentioned some names. That right. that um that are legendary in the DJ world, like that right, world right. renowned. So right. being a part of that fraternity, like how is it that you got into like those circles? Um, you know, well, Moose started me off, and I started doing things. We used to do parties together, and I lived in Orange, and Moose in Irvington at that time. So we had a lot. Of, we had a lot of friends, and a lot of people, and a lot of supporters. One of the biggest supporters both of us had was um, Dana Owens, who is Queen Latifah right now. So with her and her mom doing the, the Irvington High parties, we were able to do a lot of things. We were probably the best mobile DJs in New Jersey. You know, so we were rocking around. I had um, I met Jay Scratch. That's who I met James Tarver, who was DJ Jay Scratch. And our so, whole clique, it just, we just met so many good people that Back then, I felt like I was a celebrity. Like right now, I see the people that I knew. I went to school with Wyclef, who DJ Leon, you know, he was with the uh, Fuji's DJing. He's in here. And Lance was a DJ too. Dana's oh, brother. Right. A brother. Okay. Yeah, rest in peace. Rest in peace rest to Lance. Peace. He was a DJ. He was a DJ too, but he just wasn't on the level that Mustafa was on or I was on. But he was a DJ too, so we always try to keep him in the loop, make sure he had enough to do his parties and stuff like that. But rest in peace, God bless him. He was a good brother, and he was an East Orange cop too. He he had a you know he had a, a beautiful life, and um, I, I met a lot of people, man. I, I went to school at Y Club. Um, Karen Dupiece was at the same school. She's the uh, makeup artist for The View with Whoopi Goldberg and them. Uh, wow. we, I mean, I just met a lot of people throughout the years. Wow. 
I just ran into Vin Rock about an hour ago. We took pictures. We were talking about. I saw the pic. I saw it. Yeah, I saw we were talking about Tretch and how they try to they they try to you know underrate Tretch and don't want to give him his props. So we met a I lot of people. As a matter of fact, yeah. Upsala was the spot uh, Mustafa was DJing at. I came up there because of Mustafa. I brought Jay Scratch with me. New Style was trying out for Dana Flavor Unit, wow. and that's wow. the night they picked him up. So Mustafa was there. Mustafa, me, wow. Jay Scratch, we were there when Naughty first came on. They weren't even Naughty then. They were called New Style. But wow. the history is there. The people, we all know who is who, and we had fun, and we never broke apart. You know, we still keep in contact, you know, to this day. And I I hit Dana today and let her know I'm on here. So hopefully she'll join or she'll say something. Cause she hit me back and said dope. She was like, yo, that's dope. So well, you know. Well so, salute to the queen. Yeah, she the queen. Obviously a queen. Salute. Salute queen. to and, and, and respect to everybody who's checking in right now. Uh I'm mm -hmm. Dot This is the TKB report. And uh right now we are interviewing um DJ now slash author extraordinaire, uh author of the hottest book of 2020, uh, My Butterfly. Uh, My so butterfly. I just wanted, I just wanted to give people a who didn't know a, a background, right. a synopsis of what you are, like what you what you're grounded in, what your foundation is in, right? So now right. I want to get into My Butterfly, right? So okay. First, first, why that title? Well, when I was little, my mom told me that. Um, if a butterfly lands on you and you shoo it away and it flies away, if that butterfly lands on you again, that's your butterfly. So when it okay. comes to love and relationships, I've been chasing that butterfly in this lifetime for that one woman that's mine and we stay together for the rest of our lives and die together. I've been chasing that. So that was what the old adage was, which made me put that in the book and put the butterfly on top of the heart for a reason, you know, because we've grown now. We're past childhood. We, we, we're grown men. We know what relationships do. We're about love. We know what love is about. We have family. So it's different. I needed to write this book to tell some stories to either help somebody or show them what I've been through and show them what I overcame. That was basically right, it. So you don't shy away from um, things in this book and, I found that to be quite, I found that to be quite interesting and bold and brave. Uh, the very right. first chapter, you get into some, some graphic, some, you know, you, you, you get, you get, in, you get into some graphic, you know, some, some visuals that, that took me by surprise. And okay. it just okay. put me in a mind state of, you know, you, you never know what a person is going through. You never know what a person has been through. Right. Uh, you speak very candidly about the relationships that you saw around you. You speak about your mother and your stepfather, or father. You refer to them as your father. You speak means, about yeah. your grandparents on both sides. On both sides. You speak side. about your, your uncles and their right. relationships. Talk to me right. about how those relationships... Um, uh, help to form your vision of what you thought a relationship should be. Right. Well, my, um, my mother and father, you know, who was my stepfather, but so young, I never considered him a stepfather. He's always been my father. So I didn't even know he was my stepfather until people started reminding me as I got older, they, you know, that's how well he treated me. So we, I've always been his son. That's it. But 
I saw many relationships, both sides, with the grandparents, and they had many years married. And I always wanted that that situation where you can put fifty years in with somebody and still love each other, and you and they're inseparable. These days, it's kind of hard to see that because of what we see going on with the social media. Everybody's cheating. Things are different, but in actuality, it's the same. You know, if you really know what love is about, you really are into a relationship or marriage. You're not afraid to want the same things that the old school people wanted. You know, it didn't change. Love didn't change. Relationships didn't change. Trust didn't change. It's the people that changed. So you have to dive into that. And I wanted to be transparent, man. I want to tell the truth. You know, that it didn't make sense for me to leave anything out. So I was transparent. I told it all, the good and the bad throughout the book. And, you know, I've learned from it. I became a great man. I wasn't always a good man. But those relationships that you speak of showed me a lot. Those grandparents I had, my grandmother, uh, Grandma Davis, just passed away a couple of months ago. And, right, but my grandfather died in 97, and he got me into General Motors, and I rocked that job for 14 years and took a buyout. They paid me $140,000 to quit. So my grandparents have always supported me on both sides, my mother's parents, my father's parents, and they always wanted the best for us as grandkids, and, and they were powerful. So I love that about that. I, I love that about them, and I always wanted those type of bonds and love when it came to my relationships. So let me... Let me, let me that's for the 100 Now, all right, so... <clears throat> And I also want to say, people, this book, it's, it's like a soundtrack. Like every chapter is a song title, but we're going to get into that later. All right, right so right. Like DJ Raymond, wow. Damn, blast from the past. What's good, DJ? Um, so, <laughs> Raymond, so, what's up, son? So now, now you have, um, in the very first chapter, you laid, it's like you laid out a foundation of, what the rest of the book was going to be. And I, and I found that to be ingenious. I found that to be incredibly bold. It was a big risk, but it seemed like you, obviously you weren't afraid to, to tell certain stories. Uh, you, right. you get into a story about how those relationships infiltrated who you were as a, as a, as a young man and how some things that were happening in those relationships transferred into a relationship that you had uh, right. early on. You, you speak about, you know, witnessing some things with your uncle, one of your uncles, and then you speak about how that kind of uh, played out in one of your relationships. There's a, there's a piece in the first chapter where you speak about uh, a form of domestic violence and right. We, we spoke about it, and I, and I kind of went to touch on it early, you know, so if young people see it, they can learn from it. Right, right. Well, I, I witnessed a lot of things as a kid, and I thought that certain things were normal because I was a kid. So as I grew older, I didn't relearn or, or unlearn the bad parts. And in my relationship, I exhibited something that I thought was normal in a relationship and it was domestic violence. It was me. I put my hands on a girl who was my girlfriend at the time and I had to be accountable for that. 
So that's why I put it in the book. I couldn't write this book and be transparent and leave out something that was like the worst thing I ever did in my life. So I talk to younger men and I tell them, you know, you can't play with that. The things you do when you're younger, because you're young, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. And the adults around you don't know what you've learned and they don't know what you have as a misconception. So when they see it, then they know. But I witnessed it. I was taught negative stuff. So I had to learn the hard way how to come out of that. And to this day, I don't even play fight with girls. If I date a girl, she likes to play fight. I tell her, I can't even, I don't even want to talk to her because I don't believe in that. I don't even want to put you, don't touch me. I'm not touching you. That's how serious it is for me right now. No different than why I've never tasted alcohol, never had a beer, never tasted wine, never had any alcohol in my system or weed ever because of what I witnessed as a kid. And those things are detrimental to your adulthood if you don't straighten them out as you grow and learn. That's what I wanted to portray in the mistake that I made. And it was supposed to be in love, but it wasn't a loving situation when you create that kind of negativity. And I'm, I'm honest about it. So, so now, you know. So now, re reading the book, and I just want to say that statistically it shows that, you know, anybody who is exposed to that type of uh, environment, like the, the percentage of that being repeated right. from that individual, from that exposure is beyond Hi. 50, it's like 60, 70%, right? So my question, my question is like, was that a pattern from that point or once that happened, that was it? Because I understand you have a, you have a son. Right, 24, 24 year old. Yeah. And I, so, I taught him. I taught him. I taught him well from from childhood to adulthood. And that right there, I would never expect or even think he was capable of anything like that because he didn't see it, and he would have no reason to think that that was okay. You know. Still in the first chapter, and you speak about an experience that you had with an older woman, and I'm and I'm, right. and I'm speaking about this first chapter because once we get past this first chapter, it. It's like it's like the it's like the, the the playbook to a to a Will Packer movie. You know what I mean? So talk about talk about. <laughs> Thank you, so, brother. So Thank now you. we got so now we got we got exposure to domestic violence in the first chapter. We've got what you're about to speak on now in the in the first chapter, which involves you as a eleven year old, right, and a, a older woman. Talk about that. Right. Logo Kings, what's the deal? Well, I put that part in the book because it shows what I was also taught as a kid, like confidence in I want to be the aggressor or the pursuer. So if I see a young lady I like or whatever, and my rendition of love is I wanted her because she's special and we got together and that's how we became a couple and lived our lives together. I've been firm on that. But I showed that example because I didn't know as a kid that that was molestation. I practically planned that out in that elevator and in that scene. When you read that scene, I planned that as a kid. But because she allowed it to happen and she was the adult, it was molestation. And I didn't know it was molestation until I became an adult and a parent.
So all those years, I thought I was slick for what I did, but I really wasn't. I was just a child, and she was a molester, you know? And I had to put that in the book because many people had those stories. And I had a conversation with a young lady, and she cried to me when she heard my story. And in her story, I was thinking, oh, her story is just like any childhood story that got molested. But, bruh. I had tears in my eyes when she told me that the molester of her story was her own father. Yo, that killed me, Kurt. That killed me. I'm a parent, bruh, and that killed me. So I said I had to put my experience in there so that these young boys and these young girls won't be afraid to express it because you don't want to hold on to that. You know, it was different for me because I was 11. Dan was 30 and the girl was 11. That's a problem. That's a very big problem. But they're both problems. The both situations are problems. So I put that in the book for a reason. Your foundation in regards to relationships is jaded, to say the least. Right. To say the least. Domestic violence, molestation. Wom within that, womanizing. Womanizing. And, but within that, you find that, you know what? I don't want to live like this. I don't, you, you witnessed abuse from family members, thinking that that was right. normal. People made you feel comfortable and confident as an 11-year-old when it came to anything. So that made you comfortable enough to approach an, an older woman. And that kind of right. jades your, that kind of jades your, 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 your mode of thinking, thinking that all of these things are normal moving forward. And now it's like, you know what? I don't want to be like this. Like I got to untrain my brain to think yeah. that what's normal is 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 not right. and so now you got to kind of start on your own and you get into <laughs> you get into chapter two and the chapter two is called it's titled sideshow it's <laughs> <laughs> sideshow and i don't want to lie to like discount what we talked about right but we get into chapter two and it's called sideshow and i can understand why now you know what i mean you refer to people Women, woman number one, woman number two. Like, I, it, it really looks like a like a like a, a movie script. So I want you to right. I want you to get into like as you came out of that fog of yo what I what I knew what I thought was good is not, and now I'm trying to figure out this relationship thing for myself because I want right. something totally different from what I thought I wanted at one point. So speak on that. Well, I mean, because of the popularity, and back then I was very, very popular. Everywhere I went, I rode by myself, and I had a crew. So the sex and the women went along with the popularity. So for me, my numbers are high. You know how they talk about women in the dick on their jacket. Well, when it comes to me and the amount of women I've been with, it's very high, the amount of women I had, even up to senior year of high school, bro. It was enormous. So we didn't even get into college. Once I started college, it was just ridiculous. So I really felt in my heart, like I, I, I met woman number one and I met woman number two at the same time. One was at White Castle. I left White Castle, went down to the Zanzibar, met that one on the corner, ended up having number two as my girlfriend that I was in love with. We had the same birthday, the whole nine. And I put her in the book because... I was still struggling. So in struggling and learning, I still had two women. The one woman who I was having the whatever with, 
and then the other woman who I was trying to learn to be with. And that went on for about five years with both women simultaneously. So it was still something in there that I, yeah, there's still something in there. And, you know, woman number two didn't find this out till I wrote the book. And I asked for her permission to put it in there. She gave me the permission. But when she found out that I was cheating on her the whole relationship, I don't think it was good. But I had to be honest. I had to be honest. I, I wasn't writing this book to, to hide stuff. So let me so, ask you a question. Let me ask you a question about that. Yes. Now that you brought it up. The, like I said, the book is, you're very candid about members of your family and right. how they influenced you growing up. You're very candid about your relationships. I want to know, what was there any pushback on you producing this book? Was there any... You know, like, is there a reason why you refer to them as woman number one and woman number two, and then you get into names of other women? You know, like, so what? What was the what was the vibe from your family and the women that you were dealing with, and your son at this point? You know, when well, you created right, right. Well, let's just start with my uncle. This particular uncle, my mother's youngest brother, was a piece of shit to me. He was my idol. And I learned so many bad things from him that when I knew things were better for me, I started realizing the bad things about him. So it just turned out to be he, he was the same uncle that he didn't understand my willpower when I told him I would never drink alcohol. So one day, I think I put this in the book. This is in the book. One day he says, if you have willpower, you could hit this pipe, which was a crack pipe, and never hit it again. So I looked him in the face and I said, I'm going to do you one better. I'm never going to hit the crack pipe. That's where you fucked up. So we, our relationship was different after that because he tried to ruin my life with that action. And we've been rocky, rocky ever since. I love him because he's my uncle, but I hate him because of who he is as a man. So that was kind of rough. And I wasn't going to hide that in this book. And I, he, has, he has kids and those kids don't understand why I needed to get that out of my system. But it was important to me. So I put it in the book. I wasn't going to write this book without going along with people need to know how I turned out to be 49 years old, never tasted a beer, never even had a, a drop of alcohol in me because I made that decision as an eight-year-old watching him. I'm not doing it. If it's going to make me him, I'm not doing it. And then when I put my hands on that high school girlfriend, it made me think, oh, I'm turning into him. That's when I knew I don't want to be him. So I had to reverse it. Anything that sim was similar to him, I didn't want it in my life. And right now as a grown man, nothing about him is in me. Nothing about him is similar to me. And I'm proud of that. Well, you know, re re respect due to that. You know, you kind of came to a realization. And because of what you saw, you said, I'm going to do the exact opposite. And I salute Thanks. you for that. But so, so getting back to, the, to, 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 to chapter two. This song came to mind, and I'm going to play just a little <laughs> piece of it. You know what I mean? Because now, in, in chapter two, if I just want to sell this book so that people go out and get it. My man Zoe, all the way from Maryland, shout out to Zoe, known since the 80s, uh, say he want to read this book. It's a good read, bro. So you start a relationship while being in a relationship. You know what I mean? And then it, it just it just reminded me, it just reminded me of this, right? <laughs> 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 
throw that in. I ain't say I was going to do that, but I had to throw that in there. Right, right. It's just like yo, you got you got woman number one, you got woman number two. It, it's just like yo, Leon, you got to read this book, Leon. It get crazier and crazier. So that's chapter two, right? Right. So now, th this is what I wrote: woman number one, the way you develop that relationship is not number one standards. You know what I'm saying? Then you get with woman number two, but then eventually he gets with. Woman number one's friend. And that's when I just was like, yo, this is crazy. Oh, I said, what? I said, oh, what's man. going on in this dude's mind to do that? But I, I know the answer. Because how old were you at this time? Um, around that time, it had to be 24, 25. When I decided woman number one and woman number two, I had to level up. So in leveling up, that means one woman put all my eggs in one basket. No more womanizing. No more cheating. One woman, and that's all I need. That's when I made that de that decision. All right. So, and it's it's weird because you figure DJ popularity, you're not looking to settle down, but right. you keep you keep referring back to this little boy who's looking for love. Right. Thinking that he knows what love is. So you chapter three is called Teach Me, right? And, and DJ Raymo, I wanna holler at you too. If you're still in this check, I wanna holler at you. If anybody got his info, make sure that I get it before this night is before this this, this live is over. So you so you get to, to to woman number one's friend. How much stress was it? Once you made the decision to move forward for both of you. It wasn't easy, bro, because um, I was watching. I moved on to Monica is what you're referring to. But I, I, I was watching. I'm going to let you say all the names. I'm gonna let you right, right. But that's not her real name. I had to change her name because she's still bitter right now. But okay. I had, to, I had to put it in her hands and say, listen. Because I watched her. I watched her go through relationships where guys were treating her like shit. And I said to myself, she's actually a good woman. But I can't find the woman like her. So here she is, the friend of the girl I'm having sex with. And all we have is a sexual relationship. She has a boyfriend sometimes. Sometimes she has relationships. So I'm just, we're just having sex with each other because we're comfortable and we know what we, we like. You know, we both freaks and we like what we like. And she like what I like. So... That went on for five years. But when I decided to cut that off, the first option I had of a good woman just happened to be her best friend. So I thought it would go smooth, and it didn't. But I took the chance, and I ended up on TV with the girl I took the chance with. So I was trying, and that was the longest relationship I've ever been in, which is 11 years. So I don't regret it. Eleven years is roughly ten years is three thousand six hundred fifty days. Eleven years is like four thousand plus days. That's four thousand days. Time, right? So yeah, now, yeah, yeah. You and, and I was about to get to this. So you get to you get to TV and you and you propose on TV, right? Talk about on talk about show, talk about who show it was. Talk about how all that came about. 
Well, me being special, I've always had this thing. It's just like the butterfly, you know, with that. It's, it's got to be something special. So I just can't do the engagement like everybody else. So I took a chance. I called the producer of the show. They had they just so happened to have a surprise engagement show coming up. I said, I want in. I want to get on there. They were like, well, why do you think we should put you in? Come on in for an interview. So I told them, I said, look, she's my sister. The, the show host was my sister in my mind. I was telling them they didn't believe me. So let me talk to us. So I just went on with the interview and they said, we like your style. They like your story. We're going to let you and your girl come on. You can propose to her on surprise engagements. And that's how I got on the show. So I didn't even need the host help and surprised her when we showed up and we were there. She was like, you know, how you get on here? You ain't tell me. I said, I did it. I wanted to do that on my own. I didn't want you to help me with that. And I got on. It was Queen Latifah's talk show. So I went on there with the, you know, surprise engagement, and we had a good time. And I didn't marry that girl. So that 11-year relationship went down the drain because I don't think we were actually meant to be together forever. And I'm looking for forever back then. I was looking for a forever. I'm still looking for a forever because many women don't look at you as you're there forever. And I can tell looking in their eyes. So I've been searching for that forever. My butterfly, I'm still searching for that butterfly.